Greetings, adventurers. Before we begin today's tale, we'd like to talk about our sponsor for a service that is both useful and important. We speak, of course, of NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network application, basically a magic item with infinite counterspell scrolls that can work against the scrying factions of the interwebs and various protective charms that keep your virtual communication pigeons and messages safe. In a technical sense, it establishes a secure connection to a remote server in the astral plane and allows you to access so much more content from across the world and greater multiverse. We set up our podcasting business while we still lived in the US, but after moving to Germany, we saw several problems arise we hadn't expected. Some of the things we needed on a daily basis are region locked to the US, like our banking. So we started using a VPN to securely log onto the banking website until we could talk to our bank about the issue. After two hours talking with them, their grand solution was exactly what we had figured out, NordVPN. But NordVPN isn't only a stoic bodyguard, it also has a fun side. Did you know that a large variety of entertainment is region locked, like your old DVDs? What's a DVD? Let's not make us feel old and instead explain that while you're logged into NordVPN, you can stream television shows as if you were in a different country. <clears throat> I mean, realm state. So you might have access to an entirely new lineup of great entertainment from services you're already paying for and subscribed to. NordVPN even unlocked a menagerie of new German horror content we'd never even heard of and are delighted to be enjoying every week. To get the best discount for your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash darkdice. Our link also gives listeners four extra months on a two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you've been thinking about using a VPN or are looking for a newer and safer way to utilize the content you're already paying for, or really paranoid that the silent one is secretly reading your emails, give NordVPN a try. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey everyone, it's Travis. For those of you who haven't heard yet, uh, the Reckless Play Guild, that is End of Time and Other Bothers, Dungeons and Dragons, and The Lucky Die, and of course Dark Dice. We all got together over the last month and recorded a very fun bonus episode, which you can find on the feed of The Lucky Die. The episode is titled The Reckless Plays. It's 163 minutes, and you'll find it between episodes 105 and 106 of The Lucky Die. So it's it's ridiculous hilarity uh, with a little bit of horror. Uh, Soren Arkwright even makes a guest appearance. I play one of the characters, and Rowena is the DM. So it is a whole lot of fun. Hope you enjoy it, and maybe check that out. Also, real quick note, Sean Howard and myself and Cap Blackard will be giving a panel at Podfest in Orlando in just two weeks to talk about personalities and personability, basically what it's like to be a dungeon master and how that relates to greater podcasting. So we hope to see some 
some of you at PodFest in Orlando, otherwise known as Audio Drama Con. And if you're not there, I believe it might be recorded as well, and it'll be available as a digital lecture. Caitlin Statz, the voice of Sister Savorite Caverns Fall, and also the writer for many of our stories, will also be uh, at Emerald City Comic Con with myself, giving two panels, one on sound design and one on how to make an audio drama podcast. And that'll be the following week in just three weeks, March 12th and 13th. So if you can't make it to Orlando, perhaps we'll see you in Seattle and possibly at many other events throughout the year. So once again, thank you all for supporting us, listening to us. We hope to entertain you more in the future and actually the very near future. Let's get started with Dark Dice. Do you seek him? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago, a story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, the team set off for Milmeter's hope to find the town's missing children. Instead, something else found them. Having survived the ooze-infested cavern, can they endure the trials to come? Will the team's resolve hold up? Will odds roll in their favor? Fear the strangers in your midst. Never play games of fate. Dark Dice, Chapter 10 Tortured The team continued in a jog down a path through the ooze-infested tunnel for over an hour without slowing. Muscles weak, exhausted and covered in a cold sweat, the adrenaline and fear wore off only well after the walls around them were no longer alive and in motion with gelatinous hunger. As their eyes bore witness to solid limestone, the team reluctantly slowed their pace, pushing their aching muscles on for another hour as the ever-descending passages narrowed, barely accommodating single-file passage. Gradually, the chill of the icy passage warmed to an oppressive humid decay, which further unsettled the team, sweat visible upon their garb, stinging their eyes, and loosening their grip on dying torches and pitted steel. The team caught their breath over the next hour of slow travel, until Soren silently hissed at the others. As they slowed their descent to an even more cautious pace, now checking for traps, they had become acutely aware of the dim blues and greens in the distance, and all at once saw an opening ahead of the team that led into a vast chamber well-lit by faint-colored light. Up ahead, it looks like a... A forest. You say a forest? I'm just as confused as the rest of us. I thought we were descending. All the way down here? That sounds like the work of magic. Well, age before beauty, lead on. Were you referring to me? You are the age, yes. So please go through and tell us all what we're dealing with. If it is for the good of the team, then I will take the lead for the next couple of seconds and look for traps. Please, hold on a moment so I can... So I can squeeze by... Okay. No traps. Okay. Uh, Okay, we're clear. Led by Father Westpike, the bruised and sweating team slowly emerged from a hollow, seemingly set within a large white leafless tree located in the middle of what appeared to be a great forest. The ground underfoot was grassy, and the crisp scent of autumn permeated the air, defying logic, as they very clearly must have been deep underground. 
An orange maple leaf passed by on a warm breeze, almost seeming to carry a melody with it. With a 22 in history, I recognize this sound as an old sylvan harvesting song. It's obviously a leaf, so it's not singing the lyrics in sylvan or elvish, but it's typically sung by dryads, nymphs and the such, and elves who live in the woods. Oh. High above, countless fireflies gently swayed, and in the twilight sky beyond, no sun was visible, but hundreds of unfamiliar stars seemed to twinkle and shift within a dizzying display of dancing, rippling colors that stained the sky. They're so pretty. What? The stars. Old constellations, they seem almost familiar. Soren recognized a great baleful star overhead, a beacon to something he hadn't seen in years. The constellation of Retia. From here, it looked less like a star and more like a hole through which something bright stared at him from the other side. In his weakened mental state, this somehow comforted him, relieving him of five stress damage. Well, there are no sounds of animals, no dogs or wolves. Something's definitely off about this place, but... Over here, there's a dirt path that leads in two directions. We'll call them north and south. Which way, Soren? The tracks lead north. We're not too far behind. Can we stop to look around the tree for a moment? <laughs> I thought we didn't have time to sit around. No, that is true, but I'd like to get a better idea of where we came from, so we can find our way back. Oh, goodness! Good gods! Suddenly a shape dropped from the branches above with a sharp crack. A small figure of a man, a gnome with misshapen face grinning from ear to ear, ended at eye level with Rowena. The gnome's legs had been cut off at the knees. His arms were broken backwards and decaying, and the smaller of his two eyes was missing from its sockets. The only thing keeping the gnome suspended at eye level was a bloody noose tied around his neck. As the team stared in shock, startled and unnerved by the mutilated body, Soren calmly walked to it and read from a small scrap of leather paper affixed to the gnome's chest by a dagger. What does it say? A trial of patience awaits you yet. Do you seek him? Are we ever going to say yes? The thing is, we're not seeking him. We're seeking the children he took. So the answer is no, we do not seek you. We seek your price. I basically say to the corpse for some reason, but okay. That was uh, Sterling. I'll give you a good pat on the back. Not like the hearty, like, smacks you've been delivering to me, but, you know, gentle. Oh, there have been no smacks since the the, the incident with Lady Cameron Falls. So then, is this the time? Yes. Yes. Does anyone want to see what he has to say? Does anyone want to watch? That was quick. I, I do not want to be looking at this. I'm quite happy not to. I do. Out with the dark lantern. From beneath his heavy traveling cloak, Soren produced an old bronze lantern, worn with age and tarnish, containing a small black candle. Without action, the candle flashed to life, burning with an eerie emerald flame. Soul of the fallen, I command you to return. Soul of the lost, return to this vessel. Grant me your wisdom, grant me your thoughts, and I might free you from this torment. Speaking low and incomprehensibly, the flame's light grew and grew, casting a hideous green glow in a wide radius around him. The flickering light threw writhing shadows that danced around the pale leafless tree, and the pale bark seemed to undulate like flesh. Moments later, an ethereal swirling figure descended toward the hanged man, pulling itself on broken limbs down the length of rope, pushing itself into the gnome's mouth, seeping through the gaps in the teeth filed points, past the remains of a tongue, 
which had been cut out, into the now convulsing body. The sanity of the onlookers came into question. Who was watching? Not me. I think basically this, as soon as the thing starts moving or making any kind of sorts of movement, I look away, kind of at the ground. But I'm still listening. Oh, I will watch. Both heroes stared at the corpse with morbid fascination as its jaw popped and began to sing. None who seek shall ever find it. Those who find it cannot live. Welcome to the roving forest. It's found you within its reach. Rejoice for now you're in its presence. That's and that's the most of free. Try to find it. You will find the hangman's noose soon just like me. Cease your spasms, corpse. I release you. Uh, I've never met one who enjoyed being brought back. As Soren expunged the light from the candle, the forest returned to its uneasy hum, free from the spirit he had sought to converse with. The soul of the gnome, gray and smoking, clawed desperately at the corpse as it was pulled unwillingly into the glimmering stars above. Maybe there's something else on the body that we need to have a look at. Ugh. He's got tatters for clothes which just sort of hang on him. Yeah, he's... He's pretty mutilated. I suspect he probably doesn't have any hidden pockets or compartments. Is the nature of the mutilations that have happened to him indicative of any sort of, like, ritual or related to any sort of gods or myths that I might know about? That will require a knowledge religion check. Now, could I argue history? (laughs) You literally just said rituals and gods, so probably not. Could you tie it into history with a different line of thinking? Yeah, I was thinking more like myths and legends. I'm not really a god person. Um, that's that's more my cuz. That's not my job. Let's go with that. I'll take it. Uh, 14? Rowena thought of some information she remembered. So, not that I'm checking this guy out or anything, but he's not wearing much and, well, bleeding in quite a few different areas. Historically, the removal of genitals is some kind of, like, a serial killer thing. You know, like a religious serial killer thing. That's really as far as I can guess at. His leg's missing, his arms are fucked, and the other bits have been torn out of his face that I can't really place with anything in particular. Also, I don't actually want to get too close to it anyway, because... You think this could have been some kind of a religious murder? I think I'll take a look. Travis, I would like to do religion on the corpse. I got 21. I agree with Rowena, this is most likely a religiously motivated. Perhaps we ought to just try and move on. What about that map that I found and gave you? It seemed more um, decorative than actually useful. It didn't seem like it... Yeah, but didn't it look like it was some kind of forest, you know, like where we are at the moment? Actually, my memory fails me. I'm going to grab the map and open it again. That's a good plan. Even glancing at the map again required a test of sanity from Father Westpike. Yep. Uh, 23. I'll take a few moments to look at it and try to ascertain helpful details. Father Westpike gazed deeply into the map... He initially noted the same conclusions he'd made when he looked at it the first time. A regional map of a great forest that seemed to shift under the rippling twilight above. Letters written in a language he could not read, much less identify. Shifting features that seemed to change as he blinked or shift his focus on different parts of the page. Yet the longer he stared, the more it seemed to draw him in. Its secrets becoming more clear as patterns became visible. He eventually found a place on the map that may have depicted his present location. A large, leafless tree with a small, blotched figure hung from a noose. One, the northerly direction, seemed to lead through a series of split paths toward a castle, tower, or fortress. The imagery was unclear. The other direction continued to wind south, then bent eastward toward a different set of mountains, which comprised 
a different set of castles affixed in place with what looked like spider webs. Giant spider webs. Many locations were marked on the map with that alien language, and it wasn't until Rowena put a caring hand on his shoulder that Father Westpike noticed he could almost feel himself being pulled deeper and deeper into a trance-like state, almost as if the map itself were pulling him, transporting him somehow toward the place where his finger rested. <laughs> Rowena, don't scare me like that. I'm sorry, because you've been staring at a thing for over 20 minutes now, and we're all kind of getting concerned. Um, can you help me? I can't read this language, and I think what it says here may be important. I'm sure I don't think I speak anything you don't, but I can have a look. Rowena required a sanity saving throw. God damn, you're gonna kill me. Twenty. Rowena looked at the map for the first time, staring at its crisp, shifting features, the lines seeming to dance and sway in rhythm with the music in her head. Mirroring the strange glow in the stars above, Rowena felt as though the ink itself were alive. As she briefly regained focus enough to stare at those alien characters, she was rudely bumped by Ayas. You okay there? I've been calling at you both and you've been unresponsive. No, I can't read it. Maybe try someone else. Pretty sure you speak inf- Infernal, which I don't have. I do speak Infernal, yeah. Me too. And Dwarven, and a variation of the Thieves' Cant, but, um... Ayas, having seen the map a dozen times, thought of the best lie he could, given the circumstances. And, uh, well, I would try, but, you know, I don't really feel like it at the moment. <laughs> Right, sure. I roll up the map. Well, there seems to be two paths we can uh, go. One leading north and more to a single castle by itself. Uh, the mo- the one that goes more south leads to a castle, and in the drawing it's adorned with spider webs. And it's more than one castle, more like fortresses in the mountains. I'm getting a strange feeling from that star. North would seem to be the correct direction. I have no objections. I mean, we don't have anything else to base it off of, but what are you basing it off of? Apart from a really odd-looking star? I just feel like I've known that star all my life. You got any more idea of who you are since you've come here? Well, I've certainly felt better about myself ever since seeing that legless corpse. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but <laughs> no, no, Yeah, that's not disturbing of, at all. <laughs> in terms of existential growth, I think I'm in about the same place. There's also a trail of footsteps heading north. Can we go? Yes, yes, we can go. Lead on, Soren. The team left the shadow of the leafless tree and followed the path. The trees which flanked the path on both sides were a multitude of colors, seeming to constantly sway and shift. The wind occasionally picked up patches of leaves, swirling them into various shapes. And for the briefest of moments, the team could almost hear a faint whisper. But in a blink, the wind scattered them again. The first hour was marked by the death of their torchlight, but the flickering lights above never seemed to relent ceaselessly pulsating with strange and disturbing colors, some of which they had never seen before. With a gust of wind, the team could smell mildew and fresh dirt, the sense of the wild, as they continued past the brightly colored orange and yellow trees. Another hour or so, and a strong breeze pushed towards them, changing the colors of the trees as it blew closer, darkening them. Since no one reacted, the party was hit with a strong gust of sudden wind, as if an exhalation or a ripple of powerful magic. But beyond a generally uneasy feeling, the change of color among the trees to darker browns and yellows, there appeared to be no other reverse effects. Um, I'm going to plant my feet and stop. Uh, 15 for perception. Alright, I feel confident that the wind came from the direction that we're headed, further up the path. Weird, right? It almost feels like breathing. Or pressure changes. 
I've heard of places deep underground where geezers go off regularly, that sort of phenomenon. Yes, but it's still unclear if we're outside, in a forest, or if we're still underground. This place has a sky and stars. It's all a bit confusing. I think we ought to try and be as sneaky as we can. I don't know what's ahead, but that's either breathing or some sort of weird... I don't know, I don't think I can really explain it, but... If something is big enough to make the trees move when it breathes, we ought to be bloody careful. I agree that we should be careful, but we do not have all the time in the world anymore. I can sneak quickly enough. Do you want to go ahead, scout for the party? As long as I take someone else with me. I agree. I volunteer. You tried to kill me in those tunnels. I almost forgot about that. I'll go, I'll, I'll go with you. Thank you, right. Do you think that's right, Rowena? Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. I've got this. I trust you to make the right decisions. Well, that's, that's nice. That's damning with faint praise, isn't it? While that's happening, I'm going to concentrate on these whispers, which is a uh, 17 on perception. Huh. Does anyone else hear that in the trees? Soren could hear it. A voice coming from the woods. Soren. That wind sound. Yes. It sounds almost like the trees are trying to apologize. Or warn us of something. Ayas and Rowena, before you scout ahead, would you mind checking out uh, just off the path here with me? Sure. Alright then. I want to say this before you guys go on. I am on my guard around Fligia. Yeah, thank you. Let's try not to lose sight of the road. Follow me. As Soren took his second step from the path, a thick glowing mist enclosed him, obscuring his vision greatly. Thick! The mist appeared instantly, rising from the ground itself, or perhaps the roots of the trees. We're all seeing this mist, right? Yeah, thanks for the weather forecast. If he's only two steps ahead, I'm just going to reach out and grab Soren. I'm going to pull him back onto the path. Oh, how dare you? Oh, if you'd like to wander off in the mist, go right ahead, but I'm not coming after you. Oh, no, no, I appreciate it. I'll, uh, I'll hang back. Well, whatever you got to say, you might want to say it here, because clearly you walking off the path is not a good thing. Yeah, I think we would get fairly instantly lost if we try this. I'm still hearing that whispering, though. What is it you wanted to say? You wanted to say something to us? I just wanted to investigate. I thought I heard somebody uh, oh, right. calling my name from the woods, and I just wanted an extra hand. How about this? How about you don't? Good plan. Let's be cautious of the whispering, but I don't think we should leave the path at this point. I think I would agree. I mean, plenty of things that have tried to take us away from everything, like uh, I saw some strange little thing pretending to be my son when we were camped out in those houses, so yeah. Okay, maybe splitting up's not a good idea. We're just going to have to hope everyone can sneak really bloody quietly. I don't think we should go off. This is too dangerous. I mean, the mist seems to be dispersing now, but it was really thick for a moment there. I think we should stay together. I mean, I I can do things to make everyone a bit more sneaky, but that's about all I've got. Did anyone else notice the way the trees changed colour? The trees seem to be changing colour, not at regular intervals, but during these, uh, these breathy moments where the wind comes through. They can change slightly or entirely into different shades. So, as of right now, there are darker greens and purples and blues on the larger trees. Father Westpike, can you give me the map? Uh, Yes, here you go. I hand her the map. I am going to look at the map. Rowena's sanity was tested once again. (laughs) No, that's ten. Rowena's eyes and mind ached as she looked over the map again in greater detail. Her stress increased by ten 
edging her closer toward the tipping point. That's fine, I can take that. I'm, I'm great. I suspect since the tree said Soren's name that maybe the mist only affects him? I take a step forward into the forest. No, don't. Poised low to the ground like a runner, Filgia's right foot took a step as the left remained firmly planted to the path. Yet the mist continued to dissipate slightly. We mustn't. With a visibility of 90 feet, Filgia cautiously took the other foot off the path, edging slightly further. Yet the mist remained where it was, tail twitching. Filgia took two more steps, noting the fog's indifference to her progress. I better follow her. Probably. Yeah. I know, I know it's not a good idea, but... As Ayas followed Filgia a dozen steps off the path, weapons raised and ready for attack. Both of them were required to make a wisdom saving throw. I'm looking to see whether, uh, when the breathing happens, if the ink shifts, if they're in time. Concentrating her stinging eyes on the map of the forest in front of her, she noticed a sudden shift in the ink in rhythm with the breath of the forest. But as a headache began to form around the left side of her forehead, she could detect more shifts in the ink not in time with this phenomenon. She equated the feeling to watching wet ink move underneath the light of a dying candle. But it wasn't until Father Westpike bumped into her moments later that her concentration on the map was broken. Ayas took a few more steps, trying to keep pace with Filgia, but suddenly found himself no longer in sight of her. Oh, fuck. Nor the rest of the party. Bollocks. Hey, Yaws! Where'd you go? Yaws? He was behind us. I, I was standing behind him when you... Filgia, walk back towards me and look around the ground. He may have fallen. No, I don't think that... Yaws? Yaws! Did you fall into some kind of trap or hole? Yaws! Perception roll of a 13. Filgia failed to find Ayasin's keep. Visible to all, the brand of the all shadow on her neck began to singe and get ah. a slight glow, acting up. Ah! Ah! Oh. oh, some kind of strange magic's afoot! Filgia could not place what was happening, but perhaps it could have been protecting her from something. Ayas! Ayas! As Father Westpike and Rowena left the path toward Filgia, both were required to make wisdom saving throws and seemingly vanished into the air after a dozen paces. Hello? Hello? Is anyone left? Come over here. See if the fox still comes when you approach the trees. Everybody's been eaten, and, and you you want me to walk into the fog? Well, it's not affecting me. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll take a tiptoe. I'll, I'll go for it. As Soren tiptoed into the woods, locking eyes with Filgia, he required two wisdom-saving throws. Uh-huh, a, uh, 24 and, uh, 21. As Filgia watched Soren walk closer, the fog began to creep in again, and all at once he vanished. Filgia was left in the woods alone. As she took a few moments to frantically search for Soren in the mist, she could hear the faint whispers growing in volume, and the sounds of echoing glass. The voices called out, speaking only a single name. They sing my praises. I go back to the path because obviously there's nothing else I can do. I guess I will meditate on this and try to communicate with the forest for a bit. Meanwhile, the rest of the party now found themselves back at the white leafless tree. Rowena had to call out to Ayas, who had already begun to jog up the path north, and the team regrouped by the shade of the old tree. Well, that's unpleasant. I guess that's why they call it the Roaming Forest. Well, now we're all here except Flagia, who apparently wasn't teleported for some reason. New plan? Let's just run on the path. We're, we're, we're like two hours behind now. We are, but I had a thought while we were traveling the path. Uh, 
We can ask the people question the ones you bring back with your lantern, right? Sure, that's a good idea. If you don't mind hurting them, yeah. We have two paths to take, and we randomly chose one. I want to ask you to bring him back so we can ask him a question. Lantern out. Everyone was required to make a sanity saving throw. I'm walking away. Okay, except you. Yeah, I think I'm going to walk away as well. I'll go hang out with dice. Want to play some Rekoi dice? Um, sure. How much are you willing to lose? Father Westpike and Soren both passed their respective tests of sanity. Okay, for the sake of time, I'm going to do the Shira thing and say the ritual is repeated with the same effect as the last time. And the two men both stared into the grinning, lifeless corpse of the gnome with no tongue, no legs, broken arms, and sharpened teeth. Hi again. Can you ask him which one of the two paths leads to our destination? If he knows our destination, that is. Why is this called the Roaming Forest? The Roaming Forest never sleeps and travels to the and who are you? You were a part when you were alive. Does that name mean anything to me? Polo? Father Westpike did not initially recall having worked with or heard of a bard named Polo within Westman's Hold, nor Ilmater's Hope. M- Mr. Polo, the castle to the north, what is it? What is there? What's its name? Follow the path to where it goes. Follow the path, and then you'll know. You left a week and a half ago. If you seek him, you'll know. What? what? <sighs> so, um, the the castle to the south. What are they? Delightful, perhaps. Things you fear: the spider's silk, the giant's mirror, the unicorns, and so much more. And vile drowth. All right. So, fuck the south. Um. So it sounds like we still need to go north. It sounds like that's where the other party went. But it sounds like they have been trapped by the same obstacle we ran into and may not have made it to their destination yet. It shall pass three nights of trip before you reach the one whose head do not turn round or you will find yourself here quite soon. Should you leave the path, you'll soon meet the silent faithful at all. Clearly a cursed place we are stuck in. Please put away the lamp. I have nothing more to ask unless you have more questions, though he seems to be enjoying the spotlight. You said it takes three days to reach the destination to the north. Are there any areas to rest along the way, or is it all the same? The world is your nest and soon find much rest. Only four will arrive and shortly after you will die. Knife in the back by one who is near with some new friends. You'll persevere. The dragonborn man wolves for the other nine leagues below. 
the trial of patience and wait, as worms await your fate, as he awaits your fate. Let's, uh, let's put the lantern away. I release you. Goodbye, Polo. Yes, I think we need to book it. Try to catch up with Phlegia. I hope she's fine. Or that she hasn't joined whatever roams the forest. I don't care. Well, it sounds like we're about three days out, and we cannot turn around or stray from the path, or we'll end up right back here. It is strange, though. I keep seeing and hearing that phrase everywhere. The, it's a trial of patience. I'm wondering if there's more to it than simply running for three days, but I don't know. Perhaps this place will p- play tricks on us, try to lead us off the path using puzzles and riddles and such. Calling my name? Yes, actually that was why we're all here. Sorry about that, by the way. I do not believe you did this intentionally. Ayas won the game of dice, by the way. He's very good. How? I didn't even roll. Rowena did, but you don't need to. She never stood a chance. Ayas' sanity recovered slightly as he alleviated five stress from running through the familiar actions of his game. A large grin formed, contrasting the fresh scars on his face from where the ooze had burned him. Ha! That'll be seventeen copper. Really? I thought we were just playing for fun. <laughs> you most certainly didn't. Pay up or recoil haunt us, that's totally a thing. He had making that up, but uh, here's the seventeen. Anyone else want a game? <laughs> no, I would like to hurry up to catch up with Fligia. Right. Guess we're done with the corpse party, then. So the gist is, we just keep going north? That seems to be where the children went, at least, yeah. Ayas pocketed his special dice set, his right arm noticeably still weak from Filgia's attack earlier the same day. And how do you know he was telling the truth? Usually my lantern gets the truth out of people, but we never know for sure. And so the team began their journey north through the roaming forest for the second time, warned about some of the dangers that lurk mere paces off the path. Dark Dice, Chapter 10, Tortured Starring David Alt as Ayas Inskeep, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Ithor Vithyarsson as Father Sindri Westpike, Cassie Rilinicki as Filgia the Witch, Hem Cleveland as Lady Rowena Granitepike, and Travis Vengroff as Dungeon Master in Polo, with transcriptions by Hem Cleveland. This episode was co-edited by Sarah Baczynski and Marissa Ewing, produced with sound design by Travis Vengroff, and mixed and mastered by Marissa Ewing. This episode featured music by Travis Vengroff, Sambos Miller, and Stephen Malin. To support this presentation and get access to bonus releases, music, and an early copy of the adventure, including transcriptions, artwork, and more, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash libertypodcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at DarkDicePod. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. 
and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.